Hey, this is the Reform Financial Advisor, how to pay for a rehab dream home with Eddie and Caitlin Van Buskirk. You can get on my email list and learn more about my firm at reformedfinancialadvisor.com. Let's do this. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offer through Cambridge Investment Research Inc. A registered broker dealer Member of FINRA SIPC Investment Advisor and Representative Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Inc. Registered Investment So let's face it, we all want to be Chip and Joanna Gaines. And I have some good friends, Eddie and Caitlin Van Buskirk, that are actually doing that. Eddie and Caitlin have done a lot of home rehabs together over the years, and they just did a a home rehab on their dream home in historic Northeast Kansas City. So I wanted to sit down with them and learn how this works. How, How are the economics of this possible in in their instance they bought a house for under $50,000 that they found on Craigslist they put a little bit of money and a lot of work into it and they turned it into their dream home so this is a wonderful conversation that we had you're going to learn why you should probably stay away from the 203k loan process instead might want to try to opt for a construction loan why it's better to partner with a local bank instead of a big corporate bank, and what to be aware of if if you too want to become the next Chip and Joanna Gaines. You should check out the show notes at simplewealthkc.com slash Lexington, where I'll link to Eddie and Caitlin's Instagram profile, and you can see all the before and after pictures that we're going to mention here and all the tools and resources. So I hope you enjoy my very fascinating conversation with Eddie and Caitlin Van Busker. I found I found this house through work that I was planning on flipping. And this house was built in 1900. It was in very, very bad shape. And after I thought about it enough times, I was like, babe, I think this is like legitimately what we wanted like had all the check marks that our first house had like we could legitimately make that happen with this property and so we talked about it and i brought her over and had her look at it and what did you think (laughs) it was it was pretty rough (laughs) um but it you know we have an affinity for these older homes and the character that comes with it and a lot of that was very evident um, in this house even as it had been painted over and tiled over and everything that happens in 120 years um, a lot of that character was still there and so I don't think I put up too much of a fight. No, I don't think think it was much convincing. I was pretty much on board after the first time and 
yeah, it's been really fun to to make this house exactly how we want it. And, you know, we have tried to bring back some of that original character while also making it very livable for our family in 2020. So you found a very old home in historic Northeast Kansas City, right? That's a neighborhood. Yep. And do you describe this as a rehab? Like, is that is that the process that you went through? Is that how you would describe what you did? Yes. Okay. A major rehab. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I've flipped lots of properties, but when you're going to live in a house, it becomes so much more than just flipping a property. There's so many more things you think about or things that you want that become important that make it a much more expensive project than the original flip budget was. So the original budget that we had created with our rehabber was about $100,000, and we blew that out of the water. <laughs> so um, it a rehab is probably what I'd call it, more not not really a flip because we're living in the house as well. Uh-huh. And so if you look at the photos on Instagram, you guys can see the before and afters and, and how you just magically transform this place over the course of six months or whatever it was. Um, how, how did you get the idea to do this in the first place? Was this something that you guys had talked about over the years during your marriage? Like, hey, it'd be really cool um, to do a, a big rehab like this, or was it just kind of a unique opportunity that popped up? How did you actually get the idea? I don't think we talked about it. <laughs> so good marriage advice there. Eddie's an idea guy, and um, it's not uncommon that Eddie comes to me and says, this might be a crazy idea, but... And so then then I am prepared for whatever, whatever might come, or I try to be prepared for whatever might come. And um, I think this was probably one of those conversations of, you know, we already lived in the neighborhood. We were familiar with with the homes in the neighborhood and the culture of the neighborhood. And we were interested in staying there. And so it was not that far fetched of an idea, I mm-hmm. guess, when he did bring it to me. And why was that? What was it that appealed to you about the neighborhood that um, let you think that your husband's crazy idea was maybe not as crazy <laughs> as it initially sounded? You know, we just we really like the neighborhood. It's very culturally diverse. It's very it's very urban and close to downtown. And we value that for raising children. Uh, we want our kids to see different cultures, you know, just in their day to day life. We don't want them to, you know, be shocked seeing different cultures in the world. And I think that that's a really important lesson, especially in the world we live in today, to just if there's a way that we can embed that in their day-to-day life and it becomes quote-unquote normal, um, then that prepares them very well to be adults in the 21st century. Right. So we'll definitely have to find some great before and after pictures to put in the show notes. But um, you know, I'm not a real estate investor myself. We own a home. And when when I bought a home years ago, I, I did it in a very conventional way. I went to the bank, I had a down payment, I paid for the house, and it was pretty simple. So maybe just for the benefit of me and, and the listeners, like help us understand like what are the economics of this? How, how does it work? How does the financing of it work? Um, maybe give us some insight into what that looks like. Yeah, that's a great question. What we used was something called a construction loan. And you still have to put a down payment down, just like, so you find a house, you put a down payment of 
for us, it was 20% of the purchase price. So the purchase price was under $50,000. So um, we didn't have a huge down payment that we need, but you do a construction. Hey, I just want to, I just want to hold on that for a second. You, you bought a house for under $50,000. <laughs> yeah. This is 2020. I just want to, just want to kind of pause on that for a second. That's amazing, man. It. Well, you got to yeah, see it. Yeah, you got to yeah, see right. it. Look at the photos before you uh-huh. um, make that judgment. But uh, yeah, so we bought it for under 50000 Um So it wasn't a huge down payment that we needed. And then the bank that we used, like you can't go to like most of the traditional banks these days and get this kind of funding. You need to go to like a local bank or like a small town, you know, if you went up to like... Kearney or Smithville or one of those areas, some of the smaller town banks are willing to make a risk on, or take a risk on a project like this. So we went to Platte Valley Bank, which got bought out at the end of our, um, by yeah, by Central Bank right when we got done. So they actually would not do this kind of loan anymore uh, on something that was in this bad of shape. They want a two thirds property value to rehab. So if you have a $150,000 house total. Like you're going to spend 100000 on the house, 50000 on the rehab. That's the kind of ratio that they want or better. So we go through Platte Valley Bank. And then as we accrue bills, the roofer comes and the um, electrician and the plumber and all those different trades, then we write checks and Platte Valley Bank pays these people through that check, and then we pay interest on the total money that we have out every month. So it's interest only that you're paying during that time. And then when we were done with the project, we had it refinanced like a, a traditional bank. And with a, another bank, yeah, okay. So with into a traditional, yeah, mortgage. into a traditional sure, right. like conventional right loan. And then with us, we had. The equity that we now have in the property allowed us to not have to put any money down. The difference between the appraised value and what we owed was enough, so we just converted it over without having to put any more money down. Was there an appraisal at the very beginning of this when you're getting the construction loan? Yeah. So and, and, and then they probably reappraised it after the after the the project was completed? We actually did three appraisals because okay. it was... So at the beginning... We gave them the scope of work on what we were going to do, mm-hmm. and they appraise it based on that. So, so they base the price that they, the amount of money that they're going to give us on eighty percent of that value, the appraised mm-hmm. value that we receive. And funny enough, like the banker that we went through told me that he did not think that we were going to be able to make this happen, which mm. is crazy on his part because, like, why would you make a loan that you don't think we could do? But What did, what did he think you weren't going to be able to do? He thought the house was too far gone. He le- like, like it he, would take... Like, way more money right. than, okay. than we were able to do it in. So, um, I, you know, it's good we proved him wrong for us and for him because, yeah. you know, we have a good relationship with him. Was there any specific sort of government program involved, FHA, FHA stuff like that? Or is it just you you and the bank? Just, um, yeah, just us and the bank. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I didn't mean to, I didn't intend to go here, but I don't know if you guys are familiar with the redlining laws of like the 1930s at all. There's this whole history, especially in Kansas City, it's very sordid, where in the 1930s during the Great Depression, the federal government wanted to make home ownership more affordable to people to like jumpstart the economy. 
So what they did is they left it up to the local communities to um, figure out what were the neighborhoods that they were going to lend money to, and that was going to be backed by the federal government. So it was basically the predecessor to FHA that was started during the uh, Roosevelt administration. Okay, So what happened in Kansas City was these red districts were all of these like immigrant neighborhoods, you know, especially like the black and Italian neighborhoods were... Um, the, the local communities decided that those neighborhoods were off limits and that the federal government was not going to have uh, the ability to lend money to those neighborhoods. What happened was, as a result of that, th- the value of these properties just collapsed overnight uh, because you couldn't finance um, the property. And so it's really interesting today, you know, here in 2020, just of how you're, you're telling me about the economics and how certain banks won't go there. And luckily, you had a good relationship with a local bank who was going to make that happen because um, you can see how the ability to um, just get access to capital can affect how a neighborhood can, can progress. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny you asked about the FHA because there is an FHA program that a lot of people are pushed towards. It's called a 203K loan, which is actually how we started the process. Like, we had the property under contract to purchase in, I think, March of last year. And the 203K loan process was just a nightmare to try to go through. Uh, There was lots of things involved, but you have to have an inspector. uh, And our inspector just turned out to not be very good and kind of he was going to charge us a whole bunch of money that would have been tacked on when that wouldn't have been applied to the construction at all. So... My advice to people who are looking to do this is not to try and do a 203K, even if a bank is like, yeah, you can do that. Um, try and find a a local bank that would do a construction loan instead, like an interest-only construction loan with a down payment. That is going to be an easier thing to do than trying to go a 203K route. That's helpful, man. So. I'm guessing one of the reasons that you were able to stay on some sort of budget, even if you blew out the initial budget, was you did a lot of your own labor. But maybe let me have you answer that question. Like, who did the work on this property? Did, did you do it yourself? Did you hire it out? Um, I know you didn't have a general contractor, but h- how did it work? Well, well, we started out with the general contractor. Oh, okay. So we hired a, a guy who pretty much I was friends with, you know, he had done some work for other people in the neighborhood. Um, me and him would go get lunch and talk about construction and stuff regularly. So I asked him to do this project and he was like, yeah, this would be perfect. So we started out and things were going pretty well. I did all the demo myself and well, most all the demo. He, he did the structural, the demo to take out the structural part for the walls that we removed. But I took out all the plaster, all the lath, the walls, the bathrooms. Do you, the, you have some badass videos of that, right? You're with a sledgehammer, hopefully? Um, <laughs> actually, it's funny. Like I always watch Chip Gaines, and he yeah. pulls out the sledgehammer. And that is, I've done demo. I, I used to be on a demo crew, and like that's not how you oh, do it. Oh, that's a Hollywood thing? <laughs> yeah, it's, oh. it is purely <laughs> for television purposes. Like you make way too big of a mess with a sledgehammer. Uh, if you do, if you do demo right, you can make a really small mess. It's really easy to clean up, and but unfortunately, pl- plaster and lath is just nasty. It's really, really bad. All but, right, a lot of people just turned off the podcast right there because <laughs> they just wanted to get out the sledgehammer. They're welcome too. I mean, you know, when you, I did okay. Actually, I did get out the sledgehammer 
I was having a bad day. Things weren't going well. So I just grabbed the sledgehammer and we had these little brick pillars in the back where our porch was. And I just beat them to smithereens. You needed to let off some steam. I needed to let it, you know, I was like, let's just go outside and mess something up here. So there's certain categories of things that you were proficient in that you felt comfortable doing with you and and friends and certain things that you're like, dude, I need to hire. Yeah. Well, that was the plan. Contractor for this. The plan was for me to literally just do the demo. Okay. Because I knew how to do the demo and I was capable of it. I was just going to. You know, tear out the kitchen, tear out the bathrooms, tear out the plaster and lath where we wanted and the drywall. I took down the porch on the front, took down the porch on the back, um, took down the chimney. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. That, that, that was the majority of it. And then, you know, plumbing, we left up to the plumber. The electrician did the electricity. The roofer did the roofer, the roofing, you know, the windows. Um, those were all things that we hired out. We paid for a drywall contractor. Um, our hope had been to just leverage our general contractor. Yeah, and, and have all. him and do it all. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, it, he just kind of bailed and it didn't work out. Um, but luckily for us, Eddie, you know, works in this line of business and and has a lot of those contacts um, for those individual trades. And so... We still used, you know, we hired a lot of the workout. But I worked on but it a Eddie lot. But in effect, you, you were the general contractor. I was, I was the general contractor and I was the laborer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy that I should be paying somebody 12 bucks an hour to be cleaning up or scraping or yeah. whatever. And then Caitlin was the designer. So anything that, like, people are like, oh, I love this color. I was like, that's not me. That's... All on her. The color, the tile, the cabinets, the decision to strip the fireplace of all the paint, those fell on her. Yeah, we're we're putting together a, a baby room for our child in the way right now. And even that has got 100 decisions that my wife has to fret over. So, Caitlin, what was that like having to come up with 1,000 decisions for a, a you know 120-year-old home? It, um, yeah, it was just ongoing. Um, I was grateful to have a designer to help with the kitchen just because that's, you know, that's the heart of the home and there's a lot of decisions to be made around cabinets and layout and tile and countertops and the list goes on. So having someone help with that was nice. Um, We We used Click Studios. It's an online company. We did, yeah, and, and they, they were great. They have a designer, mm-hmm. so they helped. They, so we knew exactly what our kitchen was going to look like before we even started. That's cool. So I'll have to get the link for that as well too. That I think really we've got like a promo code that okay we can yeah get we to should you. use that. How many times did we redraw the kitchen? I we, don't know about we, the kitchen. We redrew our master bathroom a lot. A lot of times too. The master bathroom was really hard. Um, just because there's a lot of there were a lot of things we wanted we wanted our washer and dryer in there we wanted a walk-in closet which is not typical in these older homes um and we were transforming what was a bedroom with a closet into our bathroom and we just went back and forth over and over and over again and then you're trying to figure out tile selections and what size vanity do you want and do you do a stack washer dryer? Do you do a side by side? I mean, it's just so many decisions that 
you could go either way on depending on how you want to format your layout and so i think the master bathroom was the hardest design decision yeah did you have a grand design at the beginning or was it a process of several months where things kind of came into place little by little incrementally i think it was probably a mix of both i think one of the very first times we walked through the house given what we were purchasing the house for and how much funding we thought we could get through a construction loan kind of gave us an idea of how much work you could do Um, but I remember early on talking about what walls we would take down and how we would open the house up the house is is beautiful as it stood when we bought it but you know these old homes are just so chopped up into rooms Um, that was very standard for the design in 1900 was like you have a room for this and a room for that and today people don't live that way right like we want the big open floor plan and to be able to just like converse across the whole house um and so i think that design decision was made pretty early of like we just if we're going to make this livable for our family how do we make it open so that kids can play and we can be in the kitchen making dinner or whatever um, and the ability to do that with the budget that we had, I think, was a key yeah, we decision. Had, we had, like, you know, when we started the project, we had, like, a 10,000-foot view. We kind of knew what, what was going on, and then as we got more and more through it, we're coming down 1,000 feet at a time, kind of getting a better picture of what's going on, if that makes sense. And how, how long was the entire process from start to finish? Like from the first day that demo started um, to, well, we're not done. <laughs> I'm just going to sure, say, yeah. like, there's ongoing projects all the time. But we started, I think we bought the house the 21st of July, and then we moved in the 29th of February. From uh, 2019, 2019 to 2020. Okay. Throughout that period, was there anything that went terribly wrong? Um, I, I think the financing was probably the hardest part. Like that. Interesting. Like we. Well, attempting the 203K loan. Yeah, like we really, gotcha. really gave it a, a college try to to make that 203K loan and work. it almost messed up the deal. Like we almost. Lost the, the deal. The seller had so much grace to let us like extend out and extend out. And he was like, dude, you got to buy this by the end of July or I'm going to sell it to somebody sure. else. So, How long was that whole process of just completing the transaction? Um, well, that the 203K loan probably started the 1st of March. Yeah. We started that about that time. And then... I think it was the 4th of July is when it all kind of came to a head. And we just said, we're not... We can't do this. Like... Yeah. It's not worth the time that we've put into it and finding out that... The inspector was going to charge us just an astronomical amount of money. So I think it was the 4th of July weekend. And and then our our bank wouldn't close. Our bank wouldn't close until... When did we like legitimately close with the bank? Mid-August. Mid, yeah, around mid-August. So we had to go to some friends of ours and be like, hey, can you lend us this money? So um, we're grateful for them. But... You know, we had to get creative at that point because we really wanted to make it make it work. And 
we knew we weren't going to get our bank financing until August. So that's interesting. I, I thought there was going to be something about just the house being old that you would find when you tear open a wall or a floor or something like that. That well, would have been discouraging. But um, I found a raccoon. Okay, you found a raccoon <laughs> in the wall. Um, was he alive? No, no, very dead. There's a picture of it, I think, on our Instagram page. Because we were doing so much, like so much teardown, that there wasn't any like huge surprise. There was a whole bunch of little tiny things that like added all up, really extended out everything. So like we were doing drywall and they were like, yeah, you need to take off the trim everywhere. And then that's when I shot my fingers together with a nail. Uh, doing that. So I guess that was pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you say that with a smile on your face. I don't, I don't have a picture of it. Caitlin was like, do you want to take a picture? I was like, no, I don't want evidence of this. But uh, true story, shot my index finger and my uh, middle finger together with a two and a half inch 16 gauge nail. Eddie, I feel like you know you've made it as a house flipper <laughs> if you've done something like that. Right? Well, It's, I, it's one of your battle wounds. I felt like so dumb at the time and then I talked to people and they were like oh yeah I've done that <laughs> like most people who've worked in con- in construction have done that so I was like okay I feel a little bit better nothing that a little Saturday urgent care visit can't fix you got yeah. that out of your system is there I want to hear both of you guys' answer on this but I'll, whoever wants to start first is there anything in particular about the house that you particularly love that just you know makes you happy every time you see it you know, I, I'll i take a second and think about what one thing might be. But we say to each other all the time, like, we just really love this house. And it feels like home. It feels like a place that we can be for a long time. And it and it's the fruit of our, of our labor, you know, which is really rewarding. Do you have anything in particular? <laughs> when you ask that question, like, I don't have, like, one thing that is, like the thing I love the most about the house. Um, I do love that it's insulated, especially that it's getting cold. <laughs> like our old house w- was freezing all the time and super drafty. Like you sit anywhere near the wall and it, you could just feel like air blowing on you. So we s- spent a lot of money insulating. Um, and fl- good windows. Yeah, good windows and good insulation. So in- insulating the floors, insulating the walls, insulating the attic to keep that, which is very comfortable, or makes it way more comfortable than our old house was. Um, But when you asked that question, I thought of literally the day before we were going to move in. So we moved in on the 29th. On the 28th, I went over there. I was was working over there at like 5 a.m. every day. So I'd go there at 5 in the morning, and I'd I'd work until like 7 and then I'd come home, get Jack ready for daycare, and then I'd go back. And uh, I was getting done from working on that, and I s- did, like, a final sweep in the house. And I looked from our kitchen towards, like, our living room window, and I just started crying. Like, I was like, holy smokes, this is, like, it actually came together, you know? <laughs> so um, I guess it, my second answer to your question would be the... Newell post, which the are the up and down uh, posts going up the the stairs for the railing right. and the fireplace, because we decided to strip those of all the paint. Oh wow! And there was lots and lots yeah, of layers on huge. there, so there's lots of 
like heat gun burns all over there because I was using dental picks and a heat gun trying to scrape it out and it took a very, very long time. Uh, that was, that, w- that was a labor of yeah. love for sure. Um, and, and it turned out really nicely. Speaking of labor of love, like how, how does a marriage do during a project like this? Is this good for a young family? Is it bad for a young family? Is it a, a it depends type of thing? I think, I think it depends. Um, Eddie and I flipped our first house uh, three months after we were married. Three months okay. after we were married. So this has been like an ongoing. I, I, um, like I said, I've brought crazy ideas to her <laughs> <laughs> since the we first got married. So yeah, so we flipped that house by ourselves. We were there every, every day from five to ten for a month, like after work every day for five to ten. Five to ten and then we every Saturday and Sunday we were there. So, um, I think. How did you do with it? I did okay. Um, you know, Eddie was the one that was there. I, I work a corporate job, so I was at work every day, and Eddie spent most of those days at at the house. Um, but it also meant that, you know, every Saturday and Sunday, not every Sunday, I guess, but every no, I, Saturday. I, I tried not to work on Sundays. <laughs> so You were there, and it was long days. And the nice thing about it was this house is maybe seven blocks from our old house. So it was easy for Jack and I to get out of the house and either go for a walk over there or drive over there um, and and see the progress and that's that's always rewarding that's awesome I, I think if the if if a young couple prepares appropriately it it's something that's easily doable if they want to do everything themselves that becomes very draining um, which we did everything ourselves on our first house and we quickly realized that is not what we should do. Like that is not healthy for a marriage. Yeah. Uh, it can really cause some tension. So uh, if somebody wants to do it, if they prepare right, get in touch with a good contractor and outline what they are going to do, like what the husband and wife's responsibilities are and then leave the rest to the contractor that's going to do the work. I think it's very doable and it could be, I'm not going to say easy. It, it could be fruitful. Yeah. As you alluded to earlier, you know, this was not just a house flip for you because this was the home you're going to be living, living in. So maybe the, um, the economics of it aren't quite as important as it might be for something else that you're doing that you're, you know, you're hoping to make a lot of money on. But do, do you know kind of what the profit or loss statement looks like for this in terms of like, you know, dollars in, dollars out? And I know if you put in a ton of labor yourself. Yeah. With me doing so much work, my dad told me that I should keep track of all the labor I did. I don't think I want to know. <laughs> I don't think I want to. I was going to ask. Like, it, it'd probably come down to like $2 an hour if I, <laughs> for my time, which I don't recommend, like I said, figure out the things that people can do and stick with those. But for us, when we got refinanced with our new mortgage, we don't have PMI insurance on our payment. So so we have over 20% equity just by doing that. And with the way the housing market's going, um, it's probably more than that now. Um, so and the appraisal turned out really well and, and the bank liked, basically liked the house when you, when you did the conventional note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I think that the um, appraisal came in rough, roughly fifty thousand over what our loan, our loan yeah. amount was, 
and there are things that you know eddie has learned as he's been in this business for several years of like little things that weren't finished when we had our appraiser appraisal excuse me um that now are finished that would add value even further to the home um so we have an agreement that we are not moving (laughs) uh for six and a half more years um so no more crazy ideas out of eddie for at least a few more years for is that just with each other or with the bank no, just with each, with each other. other. Gotcha. Just yeah. Good for our marriage. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're hopeful that, you know, this neighborhood continues to appreciate value. We're seeing crazy appreciation in the neighborhood right now. Just from looking at like the, the prices mm-hmm. of properties that are around you. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Oh, cool. I don't know if you were going to ask this, but if somebody were wanting to do this, wanting to do what Caitlin and I did right now with the way the housing market is finding a property that needs rehabbed or that you know needs some money into it on Zillow or on the market is probably unrealistic because even things that need work these days are going for around what the market you know what the houses in that area are selling for so here is the advice that I've always given I've given this to lots of people but um if if you find a neighborhood that you want to live in and you can, you know, let's just say it was Roland Park, for example. If you're a young family and you write a letter to 20, uh, 200 of the families in that neighborhood and say, hey, look, here's our family. We really would like to live in this neighborhood and raise our children here. Uh, we're trying to find a good house in this neighborhood. Don't know if you or if, if you were looking or thinking about considering selling or if you know of maybe a neighbor that went to a nursing home or passed away or somebody that has a rental, whatever, then that's where somebody's more likely to get a deal that they're going to be able to do this kind of work to and uh, like have an equity position at the end. And they don't necessarily need to have an equity position, but you don't want to be buying a house for 200,000. It's worth 210. You put 200 or you put 30 in it, you know, you want to be buying it for 170 at least so that it's worth or 180 so that's worth 210 when you're done gotcha um at you know i think it's just um at least worth people knowing that you can buy houses not on the mls if you do your due diligence you do your research we bought our house on craigslist which is not really conventional and so I think with, you know, we see the way that the real estate market is today and it's just, I mean, it's crazy. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing for our economy to to have a really strong real estate market. But I think we talk a lot about just among ourselves of, you know, how are we, how are young families able to afford this lifestyle of, you know, what houses are going for today on the MLS. And so... Um, kind of as I mentioned before, like we like our equity position in our house today and how, you know, we were able to purchase it for not a lot of money. We put a good amount of money into it, but we're still in a position where, you know, we really hope and we believe that we would make a good amount of money upon the sale of the house too. That's really good advice. So 
if I'm hearing you correctly, so the MLS, which is like the public the public listings of real estate, um, you know, once the property gets on there, you're just competing with so many buyers right now. And what you're saying is like, if you can do it in kind of a more intentional way and find someone that is not ready to list their property, but maybe they just, you know, I think you actually had a personal relationship with the, the seller that um, ended up selling it to you. Cause I think you said you got to know him a little bit. Yeah. Um, that might be a way for you to get a good deal. It's a good, it's a good transaction for both of you, but maybe you get a better deal before, than would have happened prior to it going on the MLS. Yeah. Exactly. That's cool. Any other, okay, so like you guys are real estate professionals, you're old pros at this, but any other kind of tips, words of wisdom for maybe a young couple that sees what you're doing, is inspired by it, um, liked what Caitlin said about like a young couple doing it together, but they're just, you know, maybe not savvy yet and they're not, they haven't done several of these projects. What, like what, what words of caution or words of wisdom would you advise someone with? It will always take longer than you think. Yeah. <laughs> My my famous words are, it won't take that long. And it does. <laughs> Times it by three. It always does. <laughs> Something that really saved, like, was helpful for us is that we had a place to live. We had another house that we lived in while we did the work on this house. And I think some people think they're going to, like, house hack or, or buy it and fix it up as as they go. And I think that is a delusion almost, like being able to be productive in a space that you're also trying to live in is really, really difficult. Um, it's possible. We've seen it. Uh, we've seen it done, but it is, I think it's way harder and it more likely to put a strain on your marriage. So I think if you can keep a residence wherever you have it and then, and then do this, then that's going to really put you in a better spot for for being successful with it. I think that's the beauty too of of this private construction loan that we ended up doing. Like yes, we had a payment every month, but it was just an interest payment, so it's not it's not like we were paying a double mortgage, like a true double mortgage until until we were moved into the house. I think my like words of wisdom would just be you just have to remember like the end goal, right? And you have to celebrate the progress that's made every week or every month um and that that takes a lot of patience and that takes a lot of grace but if you can just appreciate the progress that's made along the way and then keep in mind like your end goal of what you're trying to accomplish with it i think that gives good perspective during the the depths of the project that's awesome okay so if anyone wants to learn more about your house on Lexington or Eddie, what you're doing with inherited properties, what, what kind of call to action or where can people go to learn more about you guys? Um, we have an Instagram page for our house called life on Lexington. And then my business is called Kansas city legacy properties. I've been helping people, uh, who are, who inherit homes, devise a plan on what they want to do. And, Actually, if somebody wants to try to find a house, you know, periodically I come across people who they have a house that they want to sell. And if, if people want to become buyers, they could reach out to me at Eddie at Kansas City Legacy Properties, where I could let them know uh, if a house that maybe is in the area or um, 
a price range that they want to be in that needs a little bit of TLC, I can yeah. let them know about that. I love that. Yeah, you're the only person I know that's doing that, Eddie. So that's awesome. I'll make sure to, to share the link for that. And uh, good job, guys. This was fun. It was fun. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, you guys are a great couple. <laughs> thank, thank you. Well, good role models here. We, for we a, survived a major rehab. Yeah, yeah. you did great. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. <laughs>